Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Our learner is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Well, 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 Rachel, Matt James. <laughs> no, no plans. Are we, are we going to dismiss with the pleasantries again? We're not dismissing with the pleasantries. <laughs> I just want to say that at the top. <laughs> we can still have pleasantries. But okay. isn't it ironic? Um, pleasantries. Uh, how was your weekend? I had a really good weekend. I took a Saturday for me. I went and I got a massage, a lot of self care. I got these feet taken care of. It's been a minute. And, um, and then I just came to the house. Very few Saturdays that I've had to just been able to just enjoy the house. Had a girlfriend came over. We had music. We just listened to drinks, laid out in the pool and just mm. chill. Oh, oh. It was not a party. I told my girlfriend she's about to leave and go out the country. And I was like, yes, you can come over and use the pool. Super chill. And then Sunday, I was in the Pride Parade. And I got to tell you, it was so much fun. I was with Project Angel Food, who's been in the community for 33 years, feeding Mm -hmm. this community. If you're not familiar with them, they started out feeding those that were HIV positive because people were too afraid to be around them. It's kind of like a Meals on Wheels. They deliver meals, but then they tailor the meals specific to people's dietary needs. Now they've expanded past just HIV clients, but then also just those that are sick and shut in that need food delivered to them. So it's really a beautiful thing that they do. I've been involved with them for a couple of years, so I was able to ride in their car, represent them. But it was so great to see so many people out and about cheering for equality representation there were like everyone was represented but i loved seeing so many kids and i gotta tell you there's this one moment where and i love to see kids at a parade i was wearing a tutu i'd see little girls they had their tutus like it, i was close enough to be able to speak to people and i had a microphone so they could hear me so i like to talk to the kids there's this one boy he couldn't have been older than like 10 and and you know, like in t-shirt, kind of like basketball shorts. And I'm waving and I'm like, hi, hi, hey, happy pride. Hey, how you doing, Jimmy? And on? I guess like he can see my hands, like, right? He could see my nails uh-huh. and he's waving to me. And all of a sudden he looks at me and he puts his hand down to show me his nails are like mine. And it was just like, and he had like long, we had, we had like similar colors. So I start showing him my nails. He showed me his, his mom's like cheering him on, like, go take a picture with him, but the, with her. But then the car was moving too fast and it was just. So you didn't take the picture. Don't focus on the wrong thing. For me, that moment stood out to me more than any other moment, just because I was like, that kid felt safe enough to show me that we were alive. Like he was so excited to show me his hands and I just thought, I wonder, I don't know what school is like for him. I don't know if he can wear his nails at school, but he just felt just to see, like, that's what this parade is for, for someone, a, a child to see themselves, someone that's like them, to see themselves celebrated and loved and appreciated by all these people and that they're beautiful and equal to everyone else and represented. And I just like that moment stood out to me. The kid felt safe enough to be himself in that moment. And oh, almost cried. But I just, it just, I loved being there. I was honored to be able to represent um, Project Angel Food and to be an ally to the community. So it, it was great. Name my whole weekend. That, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, uh, you? 
I didn't I didn't do anything like that. Were you working? I got back Saturday okay. and I slept all day Saturday. And then I got back. Me and Bozeman were just hanging mm-hmm. out. I ordered a pizza and a little comfort food. I ate the pizza. Like, not all of it. But then I gave Bozeman a crust. Bozeman was just hanging out. He's like, hey, Dad, I missed you. Mm. I'm like, that's the fuck I'm talking about, little bastard. You little fucking awesome dog. And then Sunday, um, I, I boxed. I boxed around a little bit. Bah, 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 yeah. bah, I boxed today. Just hanging out, you know? Just getting getting my getting my bearings back. Try to get a haircut. Couldn't do it. Got it today. You know what I'm saying? Uh Angel Food Project Angel Food? In the past Well no, not Project oh, okay. Angel Food. I'm moving okay. on. Um Angel Food is a racist term. Not Project Angel Food is great, but Angel Food is a racist term. I've I don't even know if I've ever heard anyone just say Angel Food, but Angel Food Cake? I'm not familiar with it. You never heard you've never had angel food cake before? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even know what Donnie, it I wouldn't on. even know what it looks like. You could line up four cakes in front of me. I wouldn't know which one was angel food cake. Donnie, Donnie, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. You've heard of Angel's food cake, right? No, I haven't. You've uh, never heard of Angel's food cake? It always makes me feel so validated oh, no. when you call on Trudy, Trudy or on. Donnie and they're with no. me. <laughs> Stand in agreement with Van. You got it's to, like a really you, light and fluffy. It's like not my vibe, but okay. Yeah, heard of what color is Angel? What color is Angel's food cake? It's like it's light. It's like the color of cake. It's white. white. Yeah. Well. Now let me ask you a question. What, what color is Devil's food cake? <laughs> Isn't Devil's food cake have all that shit in it? It's a deep brown. It's black. What? Is it? I've never even heard of Devil's food cake. Angel food cake. Let Devil's food up. cake, <laughs> black and white. White food cake is angelic and pure oh, wow. and for the niceness. Devil's food cake is for you niggas. Isn't it just chocolate cake? I'm looking at it. Isn't it just chocolate cake? Kinda. Kinda. Why we gotta be? Why chocolate gotta be well, the I devil? I never heard of. Why white gotta be the angels? Food. You never heard of angels food I've never cake? Heard of de- I've never heard of devil's food cake either. So there you go. How, do, how how in the world, man? But Donnie, you too. Donnie, you a straight buster. How do, how you ain't never heard of no Angel's food cake? And before? Angel's food I'll cake just are. looks like um kind of like a pound cake. Basically like a like a like a vanilla cake. Angel's food cake. I never had you never had a pretty hair never made no Angel's food cake? No, pretty hair didn't make Angel's food cake. She makes a great pound cake, a great coconut cake. Coconut cake. Good you sweet like coconut? I, no, my coconut. dad does. Sweet potato pie. Coconut is hit or miss for people. She, it's it's yeah. uh she makes it for my dad. Is angel hair pasta racist? Let's move on to the big deal of the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Donnie brings up something. Is, is angel hair pasta? What are the most racist foods? What foods are the most racist? Brazil nuts. I was about to they say call them nigga toes. Nigga toes is racist. It's the number one. Oh, by the way, on the show today we have both Jared Hill. From the uh, Fanti podcast and Garcelle Bouvet, who we have great conversations with yes. the both of both of them. The, is it Bouvet or Bovey? I'm saying you kept Boo, saying Bo. I'm you kept saying co- Bovey, just to let you know. You said Bovey. I said that. I said, said Bovey. I said Bovey. Wow, she's she's amazing. I was intimidated by her otherworldly beauty. Um, but Angel Hair Pasta, I'm not sure about Donnie. That's a good question. I don't think so. Um. <laughs> I don't think so. <clears throat> Trudy has a story for everybody. 
Trudy has a story. You do, Trudy, Trudy, jump on. I do. This is a I surprise. Didn't tell you it before. So, Go ahead. it's just an update on on fighting. So, I didn't get in a fight, but I came really, really <laughs> close. Me, so my aunt is in town, and she's really crazy and like the likes to party and all that stuff. She's 71. And we were out at Mama Cordios on Saturday, and she decided she wanted to keep the fun going. So, we went to West Hollywood. We went to Tom Tom and we were sitting. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but the, like the bar is in the middle and then there's like tables on either side. Okay. So we're sitting close to like the entrance. There's we're one table away from the entrance. There's another group that's sitting at the table. We're just getting drinks, whatever. There's people at the bar. And then this girl decided that she was going to start dancing to the music. So she as she's twirling. She is spraying perfume and she chokes out the whole room. So every nobody could breathe. My aunt's 71. She's choking. Everybody's choking. And so I'm sitting the furthest away from the table. My cousin's back is to the table. So my cousin takes her jacket and she's like waving the air. Like, why would you like choke everybody out with your perfume? And so the girl like scoots by my cousin because there's like a mirror on the wall. And she was like, ghetto ass bitches never smelled ex- don't know what expensive perfume smells <gasps> so Fighting my words. cousin is from memphis okay this is my country cousin and she turns around and it's up in his step so she's cussing the girl out and then she like wanted to jump back but she didn't all the way jump back she was waiting for her friends to kind of jump in so there was a guy that was sitting there and his back was to my cousin and i thought he was gonna pull her hair so i had to stand up go around the side my cousin pushes the girl and then we're just up in it, cussing them out, but then they walked away. Also, Ken, Lisa Vanderpump's husband, was there, and I was like, I ain't got time to get kicked out of Tom Tom and banned for life behind y'all ghetto bitches. So, you didn't ask Is that me. where you, wait, you were at Tom Tom? Is that what you said? Yeah. I didn't catch that part. You were at Tom Tom. Oh. Mm-hmm. Now. If you saw that, that was me, y'all. Me and my cousin. My country cousin from Memphis. Uh, sound like it was just cuz. No, it was me too. Don't do that. It was me too because if my cousin thought I was going to have to fight, but the whole time I was like, oh my God, is this it? Is this the moment? So the B, the B word was used? Throwing the child faces? To be exact. And nobody got swung on? Y'all got my cousin's sister. I was, I was far. I didn't know that ghetto ass bitches to the end until my cousin like ran back the Hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Let me let me get Ebony on the phone real quick. Trudy. Let's see how this same, let's see how this you same don't situation would have gone. You just fight. <laughs> you just we it, this is it, this is the journey we're an inch closer on my step you, know, step. <laughs> you thought closer. too long that's why your cousin pushed her You're an inch closer. Right, let's see what ebony <laughs> let's see what ebony would have done real quick hopefully she picks up the phone my sister's the most violent person i know in the world she's got a violent I'm going to send her a thousand dollars right now. I'm going to send her a thousand dollars right now. Ebony, she ain't fighting nobody. Except the phone company. What the fuck? I'm going to say, like, I got to, hold on. I can't, she can't go out It's not going to happen twice in a row. It's not going to happen twice in a row. It could never happen. It might have been. Ebony, you almost embarrassed yourself. Let me ask you a question real quick. First of all, you're on the podcast. Hi, okay? Ebony. You're on Higher Learning. Hi, everyone. Hi, Ebony. Hi, hi. So, I was telling everyone, <clears throat> like, Trudy got in a situation where she went to a bar, and this girl was 
spraying perfume everywhere, and they started trying to span, uh, fan the perfume because they didn't like it. And then the girl looked at them and said, "Ghetto bitches never smelled never uh, smelled expensive perfume before." If someone looked at you and called you a ghetto bitch to your face, what would you do? I slap the shit out of her. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, I, I, I probably knock the shit out of her because first of all, you shouldn't be spraying in the club. That's trashy. Go to the bathroom. Go outside. But you're gonna say ghetto bitch. I, but I'm ignorant though, so don't listen to me. <laughs> right. I'm from the, I'm, I'm, I, I don't have the, the the intelligence to deal with that. <laughs> or I would turn around and say your. I, I probably turn around and say your mammy a ghetto bitch. Right, your mammy. Talk your shit. Yeah, it's gonna happen. So look, this is what we're gonna do. Yeah. Put you on the first thing smoking <laughs> out here. Tr- <laughs> Trudy's going back. Okay. This girl's not getting away with this. Nobody, nobody treats away. my little sister. Her Trudy's seventy-one year old auntie was there mm-hmm. with them, and they got treated this way. Ebony. Oh, no. We need we 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 gonna we bring you out here. We are gonna push a button on these people, right? We need you. We hey, need we, the Terminator. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm ready. Yeah. I, I'm going to go up in there. You know, Baton Rouge, we, we ready to fight just in general. So, yeah. you know, it's just it's, it's Yeah, yeah. Trauma. All your trauma. Think about all the bad things that have happened to us as kids. Trauma. Think about your trauma. Trauma. What's your biggest trauma, Ebony? Tell them. My biggest trauma? Yeah, what's your biggest trauma? What's your um, What's your greatest trauma in life? Hmm. Tell them. Yeah, no, tell them. Uh, get deep. But, 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 I would, but, I would, but I would say... Okay, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's just a joke. It's a joke. I don't want you to... Don't, don't talk about your trauma, baby. I love you to death. Happy birthday. I love you so much. Is your birthday today? No, 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 no. Her birthday was the 8th. Like, like don't don't, don't, don't tell them about your trauma, baby. Ebony's a Gemini, too? Oh. Ebony's a fucking Gemini. <laughs> Ebony, Ebony is the Gemini of all Geminis. She is a gem... Men, I. Uh, you know what it means. Did you go to that party in Baltimore? Okay, bye bye. <laughs> I, I sent Ebony this flyer for this party in Baltimore where it was like, uh, it's free with a strap on, but like, if you come without a strap, you got to pay like fifteen dollars. She didn't go. All right. <laughs> I was, Ebony was, I was so ready. You see what I mean, Trudy? Trudy, don't say shit. Let just get, just get busy. You know I got to have my people, my squad, when they go down. See? Trudy doesn't fight. Trudy, Trudy doesn't fight. The only, thing I don't, the, the, only, the only thing I don't like about Trudy, though, is that, like, I feel like if Trudy fights once, she's not going to be able to stop herself. There's going to be too many fights. She's going to be like Will Hunting or something like that. We're going to have to bail her out of jail. All this. I feel like once Trudy lets the anger go. First yeah. call. Both y'all better prepare. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a break now. On the other side, it's time for a weenie roast. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. All right. It's the big deal of the day. I'm not sure how it happened. Matt James explained how The Bachelor failed him and his story. You know what? Rachel. No, I did not put this topic in the rundown. Rachel, no, Rachel, Rachel, how could I? This is your jam. 
What What's going on with Matt James and The Bachelor, Rachel? First of all, I need you to start using past tense when you refer to me and The Bachelor. It was my jam. I'm it's retired. True. Fair enough. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Matt James wrote a book. It's called First Impressions and something else. I'm not sure the full title. I really wish this was a time where I wish we had him on the podcast because I have more questions than I do answers in regards to this. But there are a lot of revelations that have come out and he's done a couple of interviews and he has been speaking about his time on The Bachelor and he's disappointed. He doesn't like the way that he was portrayed. He doesn't like the way that people have talked about him. He feels that a lot of important and meaningful and relevant conversations were left out of uh, away from the viewers. He said he had these conversations, but the show chose not to show them. He thought that the show would basically promote him almost as if they would show all the things that he's doing off camera that are successful and how ambitious he is. And instead they showed him as what a lot of viewers said was boring and bland. He said that some viewers even call him an uncle Tom. He says that he had a van. He said that he had a very, he said that he had a very, Meaningful. Van. Van. He said that he had a very meaningful conversation for over an hour with Chris Harrison, and he poured his heart out to him about all the pressures that he was facing because he was the first black bachelor. And he talked about, he said that, Van, come back. <laughs> Van. He said that he had an immense amount of pressure that he felt being the first black bachelor and it was unfair to him. And he, you know, he spoke with Chris Harrison about it. That wasn't really shown at great length. Um, he just talks about that the true him didn't come out on the show and he's disappointed on that. And he didn't realize he was the first black bachelor. But once he did, he thought this was a chance for diversity and for the show to expand in that way and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, this is him now telling his story. First of all, hilarious. I don't know why that was funny. The way that you put that. He said people thought he was an Uncle Tom. That's what he said. Okay, I don't know why he put that. Okay. Secondly, a lot of people listening to this right now would expect me to pile on Matt James right now. No. I know what this feels like. I know what it feels like. To be in a room, a production, a television production, with all white people, not understanding the landscape of what's going on in there, not understanding how you make your voice heard in there, and not, not understanding how you represent your authentic self there. The only difference between me and Matt James is, number one, I could never, ever, 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 ever be considered some of the things that they say him. But there's another difference. I was on this show for nine years and was able to perfect finding my voice and was able to perfect the art of direct and engaging resistance. You resist them, you call them out, but you make it TV. You do it in a way that's so compelling. You to Telling someone fuck you is one thing. Telling somebody fuck you with flair is a skill. 
right? It's a skill. Matt was only on the show for a short amount of time. Pretty much, if you're on a show that short amount of time, you are what they say you are. Like, if you're on a show for as many years as I was on TMZ, at some point, your personality is going to break through. They just can't edit you that much. At some point, your person. But if you've got, what are you guys on there for? Three months? Something like that? Less than that, but sure. They have an inordinate amount of power to edit you in a way that makes you look um, the way they want you to. And in this situation, they probably have so much riding on you know, their cash cow of a show that they're not going to put anything in there that makes you feel, makes you look subversive or like you have questions or like you have concerns. Anything that doesn't play with the status quo, they'd be apt to take it out. So I actually feel Matt here. I I feel what he's talking about. You know, I know people were expecting Mm. me to get the, you don't. I didn't say that. That, hmm. Yes. That was a, that was, that, (laughs) hmm. So what? What's yeah. your? I mean, my my opinion matters significantly less than yours. No, it doesn't. And I think people will be interested in the fact that you didn't pile on, even though you you came into this segment talking about it's time to do the weenie roast. Um, <laughs> term we have hasn't been used in a while. Mm-hmm. I have. I understand everything that you're saying, and I have been in those spaces in real life, and I've been in that space on. This in this very franchise as the Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. My issue with not just Matt James, but other Bachelor contestants and leads is that when they come off the show, they become revisionists. And they like and they see things in a way that they didn't necessarily happen because mm. they're either trying to promote themselves in a better light or they're getting the reviews and comments from other people. And so they're more so trying to have a narrative that that fits or combats what people say about them. I believe, here's my thing. Matt James's season was, was different in particular because of the woman that he chose and her past actions and the allegations that were in her. So he had to deal with that as well, with Rachel, who he's still with, and they seem to be as happy as can be. Wait, 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 wait. What? Yeah. Like they're together now? Yes. So some of these things with Matt James, exactly. Some of these things with Matt James are, we're watching how you, what you did on the show, how you were in the finale. I'm taking conversations that I had with you off camera, and it doesn't add up with some of the things that you're now saying in this book. I get it got to sell books i get it you want to paint a certain narrative and you want to combat some of the things that people say about you but van you've been in these spaces before rachel you've been in these spaces before would you have had that conversation with your dad on camera no exactly Fuck no but also though just to be real with you i I wouldn't have had that conversation on my dad with my dad on camera but there would have been no opportunity to like Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. There's a difference. There's a difference. And so I do believe and I do know that Matt had conversations with some of the black women about race. But to my knowledge, from what I know from the inside, you didn't have an in-depth conversation with Rachel. And I believe you publicly admitted that as well, which is why you ran into some of her ignorance and didn't know certain things about her or she wasn't as educated 
about black culture or didn't understand certain things because you didn't have those conversations. And it's fine if you've had them now, but don't try to go back and act like you did when you didn't. And I know you didn't have those conversations with her. And that's, again, I don't want to be redundant, but it's fine if y'all are having them now. It's fine if she's learned now, but you're trying to, I personally feel like some of it is a bit of a stretch because you're trying to to combat some of the negative feelings people have about you. You also said people, the show didn't show his personality. You know, we did see it come out. You were TikTok dancing in the middle of a date. You were showing somebody your dinosaur backpack on a date. You know what I'm saying? Like we saw it. The dancing has always been a concern. Um, <laughs> we did see his personality. But I will tell, say this. Matt James came into the show, had never been on it before. So I think his expectations about how this show worked were different. The show is not about promoting you and showing how ambitious or successful you are. The show is about showing your relationship with these women and their relationship with each other. That's just the show. That's just the way the show works. So I get you being disappointed if that's what you thought it was going to be, but that's just not how the show is. So, you know, so, so the thing evil, is he's happy now even, with who he wants to be with. That's the good news. Some even, some even labeled him an Uncle Tom. That's funny, man. <laughs> that's funny. But I'm like, sorry. I just, I just, I just, but you know what, that's man? That's funny, man. Did we cover his season or did we not? We didn't cover his season, but like we talked remember. about it. We, we did. Talk- no, of course we, we did because talk- we talked about it because the whole Winnie thing is Matt James, right? So right, we, we did. So but we like, had to also, talk about. God we damn, wouldn't have. We, had, we talked about time. that. Con- we have. We wouldn't have talked about that. Con- we talked about that conversation he had with Chris Harrison about how problematic that was. You, I wouldn't. But have now my I have heart- questions, though. Now I have questions, though. Now I have questions about whether or not that conversation was actually longer. And of course it was it longer. It's a two-hour so show. So what but I'm he saying said is, he, read the article. He poured out his poured out his heart for an hour, over an hour, about the pressure he feels to pick a black woman for an hour with Chris Harrison. And this is and we said. And did we, we said know? This. Did we know about Soup Kitchen at this point? I don't think we knew about Soup Kitchen. But that it didn't matter. Just like he can't understand. Why are you talking to him for an hour about the pressures you felt as a black man to pick a black woman? It's just who else is there I to talk to though? Is what I'm saying. I I didn't have I didn't talk to Chris Harrison about pressure I felt to feel. Matter of fact, I was actually broke down about um, on the show about the pressures that they were putting on me not to choose a black man, but how they did a, a bad job of casting with men on the show. And when they brought in Chris Harrison to talk to me, I went like this. What's I said, what's he going to do? And he got mad. That's so, like, I was like, what is he going to talk to me about? Did you and Brian have this conversation about race that you say it. that race okay see i didn't see it well no they showed well, 2020 2020 didn't happen but i did talk about it. i did it with nick when i was on the bachelor i always said have you dated a black woman have you brought a black woman home what is my mom asked those questions pretty hair was on the show she asked those questions yeah. um my i think my sister asked those questions when i was on the show i asked all the guys have you dated a black woman have you brought a black woman home how will your how will your family respond to me i, I asked those same questions on my show, they made me talk to one of the guy and all his. I talked about this. He had black friends with white wives, and I got you pissed off when they made me have that conversation. So I just think I think it's easy to look at the show from a different lens when you're out of it versus in it. But I gotta recognize the fact that there is some um, 
interesting bit of a revision. You think here. you think he's capping? I think that he's exaggerating some of it. I think that he did have conversations. I do. I know he had conversations with some of the black women about it, but not the woman that he was going to pick. He didn't ask the right questions. Okay. Before we move off of this, because I think it's interesting that I'm defending Matt James and you're you're roasting him. Roasting him. I'm not roasting him. The Rachel, what was her name again? Rachel, you could tell. What was her name? <laughs> what was her name for real? No, it was, was Rachel. It was Rachel Kirkconnell. Kirkconnell. Who is Rachel? Oh, Rachel, you could tell. Tiger, Tiger Woods. Woods. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. That's why I'm laughing when you said it. I was like, are you Rachel Kirkconnell. <laughs> Rachel Kirkconnell. Like Rachel Kirkconnell. Rachel Kirkconnell. It's you could tell. It's kind of you could tell this kind of thing to it. So, Kirkconnell. Do we think that Kirkconnell, okay, Kirkconnell went to what was like a slave auction or something like that, right? She went to a, what did she go to again? No. God damn, I cannot remember this. She what was, went to an antebellum party antebellum where they party celebrate where they, the old South. They yes. dress up like uh, slavers and shit. Um, if you were Matt James and there was a guy on there, Brian, listen, Brian, you really like Brian, right? Mm-hmm. Had Brian gone to a party like that, do you feel like you could have still picked him? It would have had to go down in a different way. If he went to the party, if he was ignorant, I would have like I already I wouldn't have been able to say, "Hey, did you go to an antebellum party?" Right? Like we can't expect Matt James to ask that question. But once I found out, taking you back, Rachel never came out and publicly said anything until after the whole Chris Harrison thing. So for like yeah. two months, it had been out there. I'll be damned if the man that I chose stayed silent. Like, you would have had to come out and say something. I would have been like, we had these conversations. I did. I, I, I dropped the ball. I didn't ask the right thing. So it, it would depend what the response is. I'm not going to say I would have left him, but he would have had to respond in a different way for me. Hmm. All right, look, this is a topic that we actually broached with our next guest, Garcelle Beauvais. We're going to talk a little bit about interracial mm -hmm. in this, as well as her fantastic book. Um, as well as what was it like being a black actress in the 90s? And, of course, some really good stuff about her current tenure on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. Our interview with Garcelle Beauvais is up next. Guys, big moment in my life right now. Big moment in the podcast life, but big moment in my life right now. Um, you had a chance to interview somebody who I've, I've admired for a very long time. Garcelle Beauvais joins us on higher learning today and this is a big deal this is a big deal Garcelle why do you think this is such a big deal for me if you had to guess <laughs> I don't know maybe a crush when I was on the Jamie Foxx show ding 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 <laughs> fancy <laughs> I, well, I'm one of those moments where you guys. We, we, it was one of those moments where you would look at the TV and we like I didn't know they made them like that damn Okay. Uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, this is my first time seeing him fan out like this, by the way. Oh, my God. I am flattered because I know you guys talk to everybody. So I'm really flattered. Um, so you have had an amazing career. Actress, television personality, author. You have a book right there is your book behind you right there. Why don't you tell us the name of the book and a little bit about what made you want to write a book? 
the book title is Love Me As I Am, and it felt like it was the right time to do it. You know, I feel good personally, professionally, and I thought if this is the moment to sort of tell my story and tell it, you know, from my point of view, from my experience, and, and hopefully people will get along and, and go on this journey with me. I'm not done, but I, up until now, I felt like it was, mo it, it was a moment in time. Mm. Uh, a lot of revelations in the book, which I have right up here, by the way. One of the things that you reveal is you talk about people from your past, one of them being that you passed, not passed up on, or maybe you did. Did you say no to Michael Jordan? Was that what that was? I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was modeling in New York. I went for a fitting at Essence Magazine, and they said, tomorrow you're working with Michael Jordan. And by the way they said it, I knew I was supposed to know this person, but I did not know. So um, I, but I was like, wow, great. Cause you know, I didn't know, but I could tell I was supposed to. So I got home uh, later that day and I called my mom and I was talking to my mom and I said, oh, tomorrow I'm shooting with Essence and I'm working with Michael Jordan. And my brother in the background heard my mom say Michael Jordan. And he was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, listen, there was no Google. I wasn't watching basketball. Um, I was dancing and being, you know, girly. And uh, so the next day he showed up and he was, you know, just a professional and sweet and kind to every single person. And we spent the day shooting together. And by the end, he had asked me um, out and we went out. We He showed me how to hit some golf balls. I don't even know how that happened. And he invited me to Hawaii. And I was like, mm, no, no. Garcelle. I mean, wait, for context, what year was this? Had he won championships at this point? I don't even know. <laughs> Garcelle. <laughs> Garcelle. I'm going to be honest with you, Garcelle. The year is pretty important to this story for, <laughs> for a couple 80s, of reasons. 80s, 90s? Like, like, is this the 80s or the 90s, Garcelle? <laughs> don't come for me. I was wondering. Well, like, he was so sweet. He was really sweet and a gentleman. And, uh, you know, I, I messed up. I, I fumbled. <laughs> to totally fine. Can I ask a follow up question really quickly, man? Recently on, um, I don't know if you watch the other Housewife franchises, but on Atlanta, it was a big topic of conversation because someone said, hey, let's go around the table and talk about the most famous person who's hit on you. And all the ladies went around and said that. Is Michael Jordan for you the most famous one who's hit on you? No. Oh, Who is that, it? Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. We got to know. No. Who is it? We have to know. I mean. Because I'll tell you why we have to know. For the sheer fact that somebody more, who's more famous than Michael Jordan? Well, I could name some people. I could name some people too. I mean, like, you know, the Eddie Murphys, the, you know, there's other people. Would you say Eddie Murphy is less famous than Michael Jordan? Absolutely. No, they because both have crossover appeal. You're all into the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but Eddie um, so Murphy, that's who it is. Eddie Murphy. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. over the years, there's been, you know, lots of people. When you're a young know, know there have. actress in the industry, people are, you know. What? Let me ask you something. Was that exhausting? 
I mean, <laughs> it, it, I'm serious. Like, you're a very beautiful woman. Here you are making your way in the industry. You're modeling. You're acting. Uh, was it, and it, the times were, let's face it, very different than they are now. Was it ever exhausting the amount of men that would hit on you? I don't think, I mean, I never looked at it as exhausting. And it was over a period of time. It wasn't like all in a week, all in a month. But um, it was flattering, and I didn't really understand. You know what? I don't know why. I, I just didn't buy into my looks. Obviously, it helped me with my career, but I never really bought into it. Does oh. that make sense? Yes. I actually think that's great. You didn't get caught up in it all. No, I sound like you. I would have gotten caught, in, caught up. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Nah, it kind of doesn't. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. Like, So, Garcelle, you would look in the mirror and not know I am not, a beautiful woman? Not that I didn't know. I didn't rely solely on that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, even for me as a young girl, like, you know, growing up and making friends with other girls, I always wanted everybody to see me and not this. So therefore, mm -hmm. I went above and beyond to be friends with people. So that yeah. it wasn't about that. So it was almost like I was working against it, if you will. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, building on that, you know, in your book or just one of the themes or what you want people to take from it, you know, coming from Haiti, having the success that you've had, um, it's so inspiring. And so can you talk a little bit about that portion of the book that you wanted to write about and what you hope young girls who look like you or maybe even who don't? Because anybody can be inspired by your story. Oh, thank you for that. And that's one of the things, my takeaways with the book is that a lot of different people have connected and felt inspired by it. Um, for me, you know, leaving Haiti at the age of seven, I didn't speak a word of English. I watched Sesame Street. I was the only black kid in my school uh, when I could go to school. It, I think I have the immigrant mentality, which is why I think I hustle so much. It's always like, I'm so grateful that I'm here. I'm so grateful that I have these opportunities. So I constantly want to, um, I guess, maybe reaffirm why I'm here. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And mm -hmm. so my mom bringing us here was just an amazing opportunity. And she knew that, but we didn't know that. I mean, we were like, why are we here? It's cold. There's snow on the ground. We don't speak the language. We've never seen these white people. Like, it was, it was definitely a shock but obviously the best thing that happened. And I think for me, when I could go to school with black kids like myself, when I went to Miami, I was so excited. I was so excited, but because I learned English the proper way and, and you know, being the new kid in school, all eyes are on you. And they were like, well, she thinks she's white. She speaks too proper. Like, and that was really hurtful because here I was so excited to get with my people. So it was a lot of things, but for me, I think the thread through my entire life is just perseverance. I just never give up. Did you feel different culturally than the black kids in the school that you went that yeah. you that you went to school with? You felt different culturally. How did you feel different? Um, with the things they could get away with that I couldn't get away with. You know, we had to wear dresses, we had to look nice, and you know, they could wear jeans, they could wear whatever, and. Um, I remember my mom seeing a couple of girls that were pregnant in high school and she was not having it. So she took me out of that school so fast. Um, I think culturally is the respect, the way you, you carry yourself. So I wasn't allowed to say what, if my mom called me and I didn't say yes, 
you know, in reply, that wasn't good. So it was definitely a different, different uh, upbringing. I remember I went to a friend of mine's house and she was mixed and we were having dinner with her family and she had a hickey and her father goes, what is that on your neck? And she goes, don't you worry about it. And I was like waiting for a, a plate to go fly. And I was waiting for <laughs> something because there's no way I would have been able to talk like that. No way. It, I, I gotta be honest with you. That must be some wild Miami stuff because where I'm from in, in Louisiana, none of that <laughs> would be able too. to fly. He's like, none of it. None well, of I it. still don't answer my mama what is okay. yes, ma'am. Yeah, no, it's yes, ma'am. My right. father's yep. pass on, but yes, sir, all of that. So that you know, yeah. we're uh, maybe we Haitian or something like that. I don't know. Uh Garcelle, speaking of different, yeah. you are the only and the first housewife, black housewife on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which I have to tell you, you ask all the questions and say all the things that us viewers, like what we want to know, what we want to say. You're like the people's housewife. I don't know if people <laughs> tell you that, but that's how I feel when I watch you. I'm like, thank you, Garcelle. That phrase, the people's housewife. I like that. You um, are. You're the yeah. How, uh, this is a rough season. There seems to be a lot going on. Um, where, where do you stand with alliances with your castmates? Because... There's just a lot of off-camera things. We're just getting into the season. Haven't even touched what some of the drama is that that is alleged for this season. Yeah, you know, this season is going to be uh, definitely a doozy. And I hate the fact that it's gone offline, you know, because I think we're, like you said, we're just getting started. Let it play out and then we'll take care of it when um, the reunion comes or later on in the season. So for me... Uh, my alliances with Sutton. Um, I'm friends with um, Kyle. Um, and, you know, I'm friends with Kathy. I mean, I don't want to get into that just yet because I think we, a lot has to be developed before we get into any of that stuff that's happening on social media. But I wish it wasn't on social media. I wish people would just watch the show and let us get to it. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you... You were such uh, a revelation um, when you were on the Jamie Foxx show. And I feel like there were a lot of black actresses from the time that you were uh, popular and on television that really didn't get the opportunity um, in Hollywood as much as some of our sisters are now. Like, I talked to my friend uh, Tay Diggs about this, and he'll always talk about the fact that he was just a little bit early in terms of studios and everybody being so open to shows and movies and art featuring all different types of black faces, right? Yeah. Um, are there any regrets of that nature that you have about your career in Hollywood? It's so much longer and you're still here. Do you feel like Hollywood was as open a place for black performers in the time that you were uh, doing your thing on TV? Uh, definitely not. Definitely mm. not. I mean, I think we've come a long way, but I remember, first of all, coming from the modeling world into acting, a lot of casting directors saw can she walk and talk at the same time. They had no faith in models. Um, mm. And so it was important for me to do diverse roles. From the Jamie Foxx show, I went straight into NYPD Blue. I think that mm -hmm. helped me 
you know, and I was careful about what I, what the choices I made, you know, not because I had it like that, but because I thought, I don't want to do that. And for a lot of times it would be like, oh, she's not urban enough. She's not street enough. And mm. I think that probably stopped me from doing certain roles that may have pigeonholed me. I don't know. I think everything happens for a reason. Um, there were roles that I wanted that they would like, we're not going urban. We're not doing interracial, you know, relationship. We're not seeing black people, even for Models Inc. You know, when I got, when uh, my agent at the time had said, oh, there's a show coming up that I think you'd be great for. And, you know, we'll get you an audition. And I was still modeling. That was my, you know, bread and butter. So I would fly back and forth to New York or everywhere. And uh, a couple of weeks went by and I said, hey, whatever happened to that show? And they said, oh, they're not seeing any black actresses. And I was like, it's a show about models in New York. They're not seeing any black actresses. So that night, I went they to just straight up told you that? Oh yeah, my agent told me that. They're not seeing any world. black. Yeah. Your agent, your agent just says straight up. <laughs> yep. They're not seeing any black people. Yep. Because we would hear that before. We would hear they're going another way. They don't really want it to be urban, an urban story. Um, and so that, that night I went to bed and I had a dream that I was talking to Aaron Spelling. Now, being Haitian, we're superstitious. We 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 believe in a lot of things. So the next day, I thought to myself, I didn't have that dream, you know, by coincidence. It's for a reason. So 411, I called 411, and I said, I need the address of uh, Spelling Entertainment. And they said, 5757 Wilshire. I'll never forget it. So I wrote a letter. I put a couple of uh, modeling photos, and I had, like, a small reel. And I took it to the office, and it was a black receptionist. So when I got up to the floor, I said, hi, I'd like to see Mr. Spelling. And she was like, do you have an appointment? And I said, no. She goes, uh, it, it doesn't work like that, right? And I said, well, can I leave you a package? She said, yes. And so the next day I called, and I said, listen, you know, I'm the girl that was there yesterday. Did, you get the pa- did he get the package? She said, I actually left it on his desk, which was really, really cool of her. Wow. And uh, four days later, I got a call from the casting director. Three days later, I read for Aaron Spelling, and I got the job. Mm. Wow. Uh, speaking, kick that door down. Kick that I door love down, that hustle. Marcel. People don't do that. Do it like that anymore. I got to tell you, from no, that well, to so much security, I wouldn't have gotten near the building. <laughs> <laughs> from that to getting your own development deal, what what where do you want to do with that? Where do you see that going? Like, what kind of projects are you into? What kind of doors do you want to help open for other people? Listen, to have this opportunity to still be, um, I don't like the word relevant, but to still be working in this industry and Mm -hmm. being able to get a development deal is huge for me. Um, I want to create content for all of us. And I want to tell different stories from unscripted to scripted. It's an opportunity for me to sort of um, take control of the narrative. And for so long, I feel like we tell the same stories. But now I feel like we're opening up the doors and we're open to seeing and watching our stories. So I hope I get to do a mm-hmm. lot of different things. And producing is where I want to go. I'm not interested in directing, but producing I love. Um, That's great. You're on the Jamie Foxx show for many years. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie, uh, Jamie was on vacation not too, not too long ago, Garcelle. He was uh, just hanging out with, spotted with a lady. Garcelle, what? There are some people that are noticing a trend. Oh, so Jamie, 
Some people that say fancy is the last time we saw Jamie with a black woman. Stop it right <laughs> now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you just you just telling her what the people are saying. I'm just right? telling her what this the people. The, I never people said people that. Are I don't care. I support the brother. I think yeah. he's the most talented. Uh, what do you what do you think? <laughs> Did you have any thoughts about that? You know what do you th- what do you My think? My thoughts are: we in the 21st century, mm-hmm. we are allowed to date anybody we want to. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. I was married to a white man, so I can't say too much. <laughs> me neither. Garcelle, me neither. I stay quiet during these moments. But I have dated some <laughs> brothers since, though. Mm-hmm. Or do you ever see yourself, would you, now that you've gone black, is there any chance you'll go back? Um, you know what? I'm open to whomever presents themselves, and it's a right fit for me. I, I'm really mm. not, I'm not pigeonholing one way or another. If that's my person. It's my person, no matter what color, what race, what anything. Do you think that more people, black women particularly, should be open to dating uh, outside of their race, white guys, Asian guys, whatever? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there should be a stigma. I mean, love is love, right? You can't help. I mean, listen, you can go to a restaurant and you can pick the steak you want, how you want it done. But I think when it comes to something like love, heart, you have to be open. Mm. You don't know who's supposed to be with you. I mean, do I love seeing a black couple? Absolutely. But I also mm-hmm. think love is love. You fall who, mm. you know, with who you fall in love with. Yeah. Who do you date, yeah. man? Black. You know? It's not but 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 look, <laughs> here's the thing though. But here's the thing though. I want you guys to understand something. Okay. There's no here, here's the difference. They're free, there's no choice. I mean, like, like I can't, like, my Wait, mama's, what? my mama's not gonna accept that. <laughs> like, like, it's not, you know. And by the way, this is look, in all seriousness, I have Rachel knows. To say about that too. Go ahead. Like, in all seriousness, Rachel knows. I, I you know, I, I'm one of the guys who I don't really give a fuck. I think no, he doesn't. I, I don't give a fuck. But but the the reality is that because because it's so funny, right? We're here for such a short time and then like we're gone. So to really to be when you think about life in those terms, to be hung up on certain things, it's really, really wild. But I do think, though, that not so much with sisters and white guys, Mm -hmm. but with black men and black women, that there is a legitimate sort of uh, concern that black women can bring to the table. There's a legitimate concern that we at least have to hear them out in terms of their ability to find mates, how important they feel in American society, how their beauty is approaching American society. Um, Sisters should be free to do whatever they want, but as black men, we should really be a little bit more cognizant and willing to hear out sisters who have a problem with black men dating outside of the race. That doesn't mean that you can't do it, but I feel like I feel like it's you have to honor black women by listening to some of their hurt, their pain, and their opinions on that. Am I wrong? No. no, you're definitely not wrong. But I also think there are certain black men who, when they get to a certain level, it almost feels like mm. they have to go the other way to level up. And that I have a problem mm. with. Right. I have a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. And they are sometimes they sometimes you know they whoever you want but don't 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 be like, yo this is why I right. love white women which we're seeing way <laughs> too much of these days way too much. Hear that, but I'm 
But I have to say the other day, one of my boys was like, oh, I like this girl. And I knew my other son likes another girl. And I actually yelled out loud in the house. I'm like, anybody going to date a black girl? What did they say? Well, one of them was like, well, mom, at our school, there's not, you know, you know that, you know, there's not. Yeah. They had a whole uh, Ronnie James thing. <laughs> um, so look, Garcelle, this has been an amazing uh, conversation with you. I am, I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm happy that we still get to talk, hear from, and watch the development and growth of Garcelle Beauvais. And wherever you go, you you uh, mm -hmm. bring a light and you keep it real, man. I didn't know you was this militant. When I seen you on the show giving giving the business to people. I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> that's what the fuck I'm talking about. I didn't know I didn't know Fancy was bringing it like that. That's a, I mean, that's she was on the stuff. real. That's all they right? do, right? I know. I miss it already. I know we miss it too. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do give you before I let you go. I'm gonna give you a five second pitch. Mm -hmm. You're talking about producing. I have a dream project. I've made a movie. Uh, the movie did pretty good. <laughs> we have got to get the Haitian Revolution movie done. You're the second person I've that. It has. Oh my God, it's got to happen. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking all the tires. They don't want that Why movie to be made. Oh. <laughs> I know. But, like, they don't want that movie to be made. That's the film. That's the that, that's Okay, the let's keep talking. Mm -hmm. Let's, keep, Let's keep talking. Let's keep talking. Okay. Um, this is uh, Higher Learning, the podcast that was the amazing Garcelle Bobay. We appreciate yes. you so much for joining us today on Higher Learning. Keep Seriously. doing your thing, you guys. Love you so much, really. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. All right. Jake Paul. Garcelle was great, wasn't she? She was fantastic. Super attractive. I, I, it's fun to see you fan out like that. I didn't know that you didn't. You didn't. I mean, we knew we knew she was coming on, but I didn't know how you felt about her. I like it. Yeah, so Got you all. Jake Paul. Jake Paul Jake slammed Paul. President Biden. Hates him. Jake Paul says he's a YouTuber turned boxer. That's what Jake Paul is. Took to Twitter. Air his grievances out against President Biden. These are the grievances. One, highest gas prices. Two, worse inflation. Three, plummeting crypto prices. Okay, these three <laughs> things are not President Biden's fault. I can say that right now. Uh, four, highest rent prices ever. Uh, five, created new incomprehensible language. Some would say that that probably happened under President Trump. If you're reading this and you voted for Biden and you still don't reserve, you are the American problem. Jake Paul is making his presence felt in the political sphere. Now, what we could do is go down this list and talk about how these things are complex global global problems. As we sit right now, the gas is $9 in uh, Canada. The crypto Jeez. situation is the combination of a lot of things. There are a lot of things right now that are influencing this. You know why I won't do that, though? 
first of all, I won't do that because I think smart people already know that. Okay? I think smart people already look at these three things and look at some of the issues that are plaguing the world when you talk about supply side things. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and another reason why I won't do that is because it's the White House's job to message that. Yeah, it, I mean, it is. But it's the White House's not even job. paying attention to Jake now, I'm not talking about Jake Paul. I'm talking about overall. Number one, inflation is something that the president needs to uh, – needs to take action on this is not ha not happened before in the 1970s the inflation was fucking terrible um they <laughs> they appointed a new uh fed chief named paul volcker and that guy fucking drove the interest rates up so goddamn high that he was able to defeat inflation but it was at a fantastic cost to the american economy over the next um over the next really decade if you really want to be honest with you about uh, honest about it the the situation there is that was at a time where the fed did not have very much credibility with the american public this is a time when the fed actually does have a lot of cre credibility with the american public so the question is how is biden and the rest of really not just the democrats but really the american governmental apparatus going to convince the american public that inflation is something that they're going to be able to fix because there are ways that they have to, there are things that they probably could do to fix inflation or at least lessen the blow because right now only the poor people are being hurt. Like people that are in a good position financially are probably not feeling this blow as much, but uh, people that need every dollar, they're really just, it's almost like it's, it's, it's crippling for them yeah. to have these costs, costs rise like this, but it's the white house job to message this. I guess my question is, whether or not this information is right or wrong, and the crypto thing is a fucking joke. You guys played with fake money, and now you're getting real burnt. Um, uh, do you have a problem with Jake Paul tweeting this? I do. Mm. And it's not that Jake Paul can't have an opinion, right? I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, stick to doing what you're doing. No, obviously he can have an opinion. He has a vote in this country. He can say what he feels. My issue is... You said something where smart people will understand why the first three things are happening. Do you think that the audience that Jake Paul reaches who can vote understand why the first three things are happening? Um, do you think majority of them do? Do you think majority of them said, huh, Jake Paul made this statement. Let me go out and research and understand what inflation is, how it came about, and did this just happen in the last year, two years, or is this something that's been building? Do you think re people really did that? Do you think people looked up the whole supply and demand thing? I don't think they did. So this is why I have a problem with what he said. You put this general statement out there, this blanket statement, without the why. And it's great. So it's like, what's the purpose of you putting out this statement? Is it to condemn, condemn the Biden administration? Is it because you're frustrated? Because Jake Paul is somebody who's not hurt by the things that he, maybe the crypto, but not necessarily hurt by the things that he named, right? He's, he's, he's in a different bracket. So what's your purpose for putting that out there? Are you trying to encourage people to, to, to gather information, to vote, to understand? I just felt like there should have been a why those, that list exists, how these things are happening. Otherwise, don't put that out there. I think because the why me, was clear. What's the why? You see, the last line of it is, if you're reading this and you voted for Biden, you don't regret it then you are 
uh, the American problem. I think the why is that he feels like President Biden has been not the why he not the why he did it. The why there's inflation, the why the crypto. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking the why Ah, in his list, not the why why he did it. So to me, it's fine if you want to do that. But then give a little bit more because this is a huge generalization and it makes miss uh, miss. What's the word I'm trying to say? Um, It doesn't characterize properly the what is happening, right? You're blaming it on Biden, but that's not necessarily all true, right? And it has nothing to necessarily do with your vote for Biden. There are a lot of issues that play into why inflation is so high right now, and it didn't start in the Biden presidency. You can say some things that he's done have contributed to inflation, but you can't say it's the reason why it exists currently in this country. So I just felt it's just really problematic. And I think a lot of people do that where they just throw these things out there and they have a huge audience and people receive it. And then you'll have these people saying, yeah, you know, like forget the Biden administration, that they're the reason we have inflation, which isn't necessarily true. It's just it's misinformation to me. Okay, so I see your point. If you're talking about the fact that it's uh, that it's misinformation, the question is, is it misinformation or is it disinformation? And I think it's miss, but okay. Well, so if it's misinformation, then it's Twitter par for the course. And if you're asking Jake Paul to have a higher degree of responsibility than we see for places like uh, Fox News and other places like that, it's just not going to happen. If That's Jake Paul, if, J- if, if Jake Paul, well, the reason why I say whether or not it's misinformation or disinformation is because do you think Jake Paul knows that what he's saying isn't true? Because if if, Ooh, if he knows if if he I knows so. <laughs> if Jake Paul knows that what he's saying isn't true, oh look how my my nails catch the light. Sexy daddy got a jail manicure. Uh, sexy daddy got a jail manicure. He's a sexy daddy with the right, jail right, manicure. Right. He's a sexy daddy <laughs> with the jail manicure. Yeah. Sexy daddy with the jail manicure. Okay, that's enough. Man, there's a seventies. There's a seventies. Every octave is a seventies disco <laughs> joint. I just dropped y'all with another hit. A seventies disco joint about my jail manicure. Um, if Jake Paul knows that what he's saying isn't true, then it's disinformation, and Jake Paul is purposely putting out destabilizing information to use with his X amount of million dollar fans. Uh millions of fans or whatever to make them go vote in a different way. If it's misinformation, he's doing the same thing I see. I'm not saying that what he's doing is right. What I'm saying is there are so many misinformed political takes that I'm seeing right now. So many people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Now we're going to talk in a second about <clears throat> all the celebrities endorsing Rick Caruso for mayor. Rick Caruso is a Trump loyalist who's been a lifelong Republican operative in one of the biggest ways here. And I'm like, he is. No, I just like that you use the word operative. But like that, there was this one time, there was this really handsome guy that was sitting behind President Trump at a debate or something like that. He was going to the debates. He's like, some kind of, that was Rick Caruso's son. These guys are like, oh, and, and I'm seeing this influx of supposedly liberal uh, Los Angeles celebrities supporting Rick Caruso and I still am not really getting a lot of answers why and, and I it, he, I know he's a if you guys don't know who Rick, Caru- Rick Caruso is he is a uber rich uh, real estate guy out here in California who created the Grove and he's mm-hmm. very rich I've met him before 
decent, nice guy, I guess. I mean, political, politically, he's putrid and has been involved in a lot of things. But, like, I don't feel like a lot of the people that we would call, quote-unquote, celebrities have any clue what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to the majority of this stuff. And I I think that that runs, I think that, that like, kind of jumps over party lines. I think that's kind of on... Uh, both sides type sure. of thing. So when I so when I when I saw this, I thought, oh well, Jake doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Um, as far as the irresponsibility, it 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 moved me less because I see this so often. I see people posting shit that's obviously fucking fake. That's obviously fake. Like it's really fake, but it, it's out there. So I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Do your homework, Jake. If you're gonna step, if you're gonna step into that world, you got. I just feel like you got to step up a little bit. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Do you have any crypto? No. Don't have a wallet. Don't have any of that. Trudy, Donnie, crypto heads. I don't understand it. Me neither. Yeah, Trudy. It's not for me. I don't get it. And somebody tried to explain NFTs to me, and it just it still doesn't make sense. I know it. I know. I, I understand NFTs. Yeah, whatever. You know, Rachel looked at me crazy. The last time I tried to explain crypto to Rachel, she didn't. She didn't even. Listen. I was just like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Justice Department is opening a probe into the Louisiana State Police. More happenings down there in my state. Uh, sweeping civil rights investigation to the Louisiana State Police amid mounting evidence that the agency has a pattern of looking the other way in the face of beatings of mostly black men, including the 2019 arrest of Ronald Williams. She's dead. Federal pattern of or practice probe, which is the first such action against a statewide law enforcement agency in more than two decades, comes more than three years after troopers were captured on long withheld body camera video beating, stunning, and dragging Green on a rural road roadside near Monroe. Monroe is a town in North Louisiana. Despite lengthy ongoing federal and state criminal investigations into a death. Troopers initially blamed on a car crash. No one has been charged. Okay. So when I saw this story, do you know what I thought? No fucking shit. I, I thought that this is the example of what happens when you have a community's uh, voice drowned out. There is not one black person that I personally know in South Louisiana, where I grew up, Baton Rouge, I'll tell you guys again, it's where I'm from, who doesn't know what the fuck is up with the state police. Not one. Not one there. When you are driving to New Orleans, I think it's Troop A in the state in the, in the state police. When you are driving toward New Orleans, most of the time you're driving toward New Orleans, right? This is what the player proof crew would do. Everybody want to go to the Bayou Classic, right? When they want to leave, Rach, they want to leave on Friday. Oh, I'm gonna get off work. I'm gonna get off work, and we're gonna drive down. Because when you drive down on Friday, it's like a line of cars, you get stuck in traffic, you might see some on the way. You feel what I'm saying? You might see a little something on the way. <laughs> um, but the player proof crew, we leave on Thursday night because we like to fly. We get Ryan Davenport behind the wheel. Ian's going to fall asleep. What we would always do is we would wait till Ian will fall asleep. Ryan had three twelves in his uh, in the back of his car. <laughs> and so when Ian will fall asleep, we will boom, hit them 12s and wake his dumb ass up every single time. Uh, put that beat on his motherfucking back. And we would fly down there. Ryan would be flying. He was the best driver in the crew going. But you know what we wouldn't fly? 
there's an area right when you're leaving Baton Rouge that we would slow down. The reason why we would slow down is because we know that the state police troop that patrols that area, we do not want to run into them. We don't want to see them. We don't want to deal with them. We don't want them to see us. We don't want them to happen upon four black dudes going down to New Orleans to have a good time. This is in the 90s. We know the stories we've heard of how they do niggas. We know the stories we've heard of how they planted stuff. We know the stories we heard of how they will keep you sitting on the side of the road for six or seven hours just to fuck with you, take your car for no... We've heard all of this, how they fuck with you. Now, if we're talking about this going on 20 or 30 years, how is it that whoever is supposed to be have oversight in this situation is so behind the, the so behind the calls and the complaints and the thoughts and feelings of an entire community in South Louisiana. That's what I asked you. I mean, it's pretty obviously I'm not familiar with what goes down in, in Louisiana, but I know that you've talked about it a little bit. So, I mean, maybe even more than a little bit, but the fact that this is the case that had to happen where they wanted to, which is what, like, it's so disgusting and tragic what happened to Rodney Green. Um, if that this is the case that had to require the Justice Department to go down there and open it up to where Ronald they're trying Green. to Ronald Green, by the way. Is it Ronald Green? Mm, it's Ronald Rodney. Green. Sorry, it's that's Rodney, my uncle. I got, no, I have a Rodney Green as an uncle. Oh, wow. Um, Anyways, uh, yeah, Ronald Green, the that this had to happen for them to finally open things up at w- as the, what seems to have been going on since the existence of this uh, state police. It's pretty incredible. But, I, you know, it seems like the Justice Department really is. And maybe I'm overspeaking, maybe I'm maybe I'm generalizing, doing some probes into problematic police forces you're into it well i'm into it if it's going to create some type of change if it's going to bring away like somebody like me who lived right next door to louisiana but had no idea what was happening with the louisiana state police yeah if it's going to bring awareness if it's going to put people on their toes if it's going to clean out these departments that have been problematic from the very beginning then i'm absolutely into it and i'm hoping that's what happens here I just it's just it's just crazy to me that you all, you guys have always known that this is what's been going down and it's just been ignored. Hmm. Just to let you guys know, in some cases, tr- troopers omitted uses of force uh, as blows to the head from official reports. They didn't talk about them. And in other tr- and other troopers sought to justify their actions by claiming suspects were violent, resisting or escaping, all of which were contradicted by video footage. If the. Uh, investigation is thorough and if the investigation is impartial they have these guys dead to rights this is an open secret for a lot of people all right uh 31 patriot front members are arrested near idaho pride event i'm sure you guys have heard about this by now authorities arrested 31 members of the white supremacist group patriot front near an idaho pride event uh saturday after they were found packed into the back of a u-haul truck with riot gear rachel did you hear about this story yes i heard about this what do you think? I mean, the fucking guys got 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 hit with conspiracy to riot, which is a misdemeanor. They were 
fucking ready to go nuts. They were standing. They were standing inside the truck wearing khakis, navy blue shirts, and beige hats with white baklavas covering their faces. All right, police stopped them. They had all kinds of stuff. Based on evidence co- collected and documents, authority found that the group was playing to riot in several areas of downtown, not just the park. White said. Police found riot gear, one smoke grenade, shin guards, and shields inside the van. They wore arm patches and logos on their hats that identified them as the Patriot Front. Now, let me tell you something about this real quick. And I'm not comparing these two things whatsoever because there's bodies on the one side, allegedly. Uh, If these guys get out there and they get to the fucking streets while pride is going on, there's no fucking clue how many people get hurt. I understand that the conspiracy to riot charge is a criminal charge. You mean to tell me, Legal Eagle, in all of the fucking penal code, whatever you fuck you call it, whatever it is, there's nothing more severe these guys can be can be charged with? This seems like an know. incredibly dangerous situation. Uh, is this a criminal conspiracy? Should I mean, you go, they're going to get YSL, that's fine. Should they be going to get the Patriot Front? Okay, well... I don't think we can compare it to YSL because YSL actually allegedly was committed the acts, the criminal acts. They stopped them before it happened. That's why it's a conspiracy. I don't know Rico! the penal code in Idaho. I don't know the penal code in Idaho, but it's it's also this is alarming, obviously, for obvious reasons. But what's also alarming is that this is a part of a new, new white supremacist group. New. You already got the ones that are already out there. People are still creating white supremacist groups, brand new ones. That is terrifying to me. And the start, the guy who started this one from Dallas, yeah. right outside of Dallas. Makes a lot of sense. And you, okay, okay. I think there are a lot of messed up things happening in both of our states. But that to me, that's just equally as terrifying is that people are out here starting new groups of hate, of hate. You know, we're, I think this week was the anniversary of the shooting at the Pulse nightclub. And I think about that when I think about these groups. And if, to be honest with you, if there is not something on the books, there should be. Because to stop, how do we know that they were going down there just to riot? If you look at if the way I look at it, they were going down there to hurt people. Oh, absolutely. It was a riot in Charlottesville that cost that woman Heather Hare her life. Right? So like it's not like these things happen and no one gets hurt. People get hurt. People go down there and get hurt. And and by the way, this isn't something to where people are mar- marching for something and things get out of hand. These are agitators who have a purposeful and very direct objective to go down there and start shit. What were they were going to do it peacefully? They're going to do it and make sure nobody got hurt. No, that's why I, their faces were covered. Why well, sure do Siri? <laughs> their faces were covered. They and, and, and it's like maybe they didn't have the guns, and you're thinking, oh. Th- they couldn't physically hurt them, but you just think about that. How they would have harassed them, they would have emotionally, mentally attacked them, where they basically are intimidating to the point where they're too scared to come out and live their lives as who they are. That was what they, they have, were doing. Which you're right. They, they have smoke grenades. They have smoke, they have grenades. smoke grenades. They have smoke grenades. If they have it's guns. a bunch of if it's a bunch of niggas, it's a felony. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, 
listen, I, I, I wish there was, I, I don't know, like I said, I don't know the penal code and there should be something more harsh than that because of all the damage that they could have potentially done, not just even physically, but, and it was, and the motive was hate, right? That's the thing. The motive was hate behind it, which I would think that that would be something that would make it an even bigger crime. But again, I don't, I don't know the books there. Uh, we have been promising you guys a conversation um, for a long time. Uh, surrounding Lil Nas X and the Montero video. We finally got to have that conversation with the amazing Jared Hill, but we also talked to Jared uh, part two of our conversation surrounding the case of Issa Atute down there in, in Virginia, uh, and Jared's going to give us some much-needed perspective. Um, the always amazing Jared Hill will come back from this break on the other side of, uh, of higher learning. You guys, we have a very special guest coming on right now. I met this gentleman some years ago. I think it was at a panel that he hosted. I think that's when we met, right? Yeah. Panel of some sort, Jared. Black Men in Media, um, like 2018 or 2019, maybe. Yeah, Black Men in Media. Back in, that's where we are. Me and Jared Hill with some Black Men in Media. <laughs> Since then, he has become somebody who gives me a great deal of perspective. I talk to him all the time. We're brothers. I consider him to be a friend. He is the host, or one half of the host of the Fanti podcast with Travell Anderson. Um, and he does so many other things. He is an advocate. He is an activist. He is one of the smartest guys in this whole city. Jared Hill I, is, is whenever y'all you don't think set so? me up receive like that, it. It's, it's way too much pressure. Cause now I gotta receive it. <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Receive okay, that. Okay. Thank you for that. Now, I, I, really reached out, I reached out to, I reached out to Jared because we have been, We've we've talked about um, uh, a great many things, Jared and I have. Uh, I wanted to revisit the conversation later on. I'm surprising him with this one about Lil Nas X and the Montero video. Remember we talked about that some time ago. Wow. We kept promising the audience we would do that, and we I, never did it. So not I wanna... an ambush. Okay. It's an ambush. <laughs> That's but what we also, do <laughs> we wanted to we wanted to continue the conversation we had uh, uh, around Issei Atute and uh, his acquittal for murder charges out there in. Virginia, I we had our thoughts and we had a conversation with his defense on it, and I wanted to get the opinion of Jared, um, a member of the LGBTQ plus community, so we could. I got it right. So I, I was no, sh Jared. Do you call him out on that? I was shocked. I was like hey. holding my breath as you were about to say it. <laughs> yeah, man, this yeah. might be the yeah, first time. Good job. Nice work, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> So I called Jared and I asked Jared if he would look over things and, and, and kind of maybe call us on some of our biases and maybe uh, give uh, an opinion um, that we can kind of uh, absorb. Because to be honest with you, there was a lot of talk, very divisive interview on a lot of our socials. So, um, Jared, thank you for joining us. And when you looked at it, what did you think of everything that happened out there in Virginia? I said, whoo, shit, I do not want to have to talk about this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's my first thought. Um, no, I, I, first of all, and I'm not saying this because I'm on your show, but I do want to shout y'all out because I do think that y'all ask all of the right questions as allies, right? As folks that are like wanting, that are not a part of community, that want to defend community. Y'all talked about dead naming. Y'all asked the questions about whether or not uh, Jerry or Angie identified as trans. Y'all had a lot of y'all asked a lot of questions throughout the time in the in the interview. And I, I was like, okay, I see y'all. I was like, and I, I wasn't surprised, but I was very happy. 
Um, and so that was the first thing that I was thinking. This case is interesting to me as a queer person who is like on dating apps and single and, you know, kind of out here or whatever. But like it, it, it struck me because it's really about whether or not people are being honest about things, right? And like, I am looking at this from the lens of people lie about who they are on dating apps and for sex all day, every day, right? The lies can be, I am 37, I am single, I am straight, I am gay, right? I am interested in you, right? Or whatever, all kinds of different things that people lie about for sex. And so like that part of it was something that I was like, this is an interesting intersection where we're talking about gender and race and sexuality. And I feel like this case kind of encompasses all of those things together in a way that is really, really unique and special because if either one of the dynamics of this case, race or gender or sexuality or how one presents or all of those different things, if any of them were different, we'd be talking about this differently. Yeah, it really was a, a complex, I guess, issue for us to tackle. And as Van uh, pointed out on so our socials, people were divided as far as how they thought we approached it. You listened to the interview. What were your thoughts and maybe what was problematic in, in the interview? Maybe you didn't find it that way. Uh, yeah, if you could speak on that. So, I, so I, had, I had like notes that I wrote down about both of the things that y'all brought up as points. Like, so for instance, Rachel, one of the bones of contention that I share with you was that EC never said in that first police report that he was in fear for his life. He never mentioned, uh, you know, the question about a gun or, you know, like later, later finding out that it was a knife. That coming up does have like this air of feeling convenient right of being like oh now you were scared in fear for your life which is also another element that's interesting to hear this white lawyer talking about a black man in an assault that happened on a white person right that whole thing is interesting i was having a discussion with a friend about that just before coming on the air and so that piece of it is interesting but it also does kind of hit me at the same time saying like we know that black men especially young black men don't tend to get treated the same way as non-black folks when they're being interviewed by the police, right? Yeah. And Rachel, you have like, you know, <clears throat> you you as a lawyer know that in a in a way that would probably be more than than Van or I. It it makes me think like, okay, well, what did they ask him? What was he afraid of? What was he concerned about? What was he what was he asking them, right? What questions did they ask? Um, and what was kind of left out? And so I'm kind of on both sides of this one, right? And as you called it complex on our show, Fanti. We always we're always talking about the complex and complicado, right? Like this is this is a difficult one because we see it from both sides. Um, Rachel, you you talked about whether or not queer or trans people would be more afraid after a moment like this, right? And it's like, well, I mean, number one, we already afraid out here, right? But like when mm -hmm. we're talking about queer and trans folks being afraid about being attacked, I'm concerned about that walking down the street, and like I don't see this one as being something that makes me more concerned about my safety from a gay panic perspective, because gay panic laws even exist, right? Like the fact that there are laws on the books that talk yeah. about gay panic and how they, uh, and how we can like be okay with that in certain states and not in others, not in Virginia apparently, but like that is something that is frustrating in this case. And so Van, you talked about going back over to the house and how that was questionable for you, right? The going back over to the house thing is what got it complicated for me because the first instance where we saw EC go over with a friend who came into the house and they stayed out, I believe, in the living room and EC and, and Angie slash Jerry went into another room. 
that was interesting to me because like if Angie had performed oral sex and then given the money and then they all came back to do that again, what if when EC did say he wanted intercourse, like it was a woman, were they going to come in and then join? What like, because the other piece of it is like, there are other people coming along for something that is supposedly supposed to be a sexual encounter, right? And so it's not just the possibility of, oh, they came to jump Angie slash Jerry, but they also could have been coming to participate in something else, right? And so yeah. I think about it from that lens. There's a lot. There's a lot. So I think there are two, bo- two bones of contention here. Um, and these things don't really get at what actually happened in the house. Because what actually happened in the house either was self-defense or it wasn't, right? That's the deal. Either the the uh, the uh, incident, the interaction was self-defense or it wasn't. <clears throat> but I do think that there are people here who have legitimate questions about Jerry slash Angie. And there are two questions here, and I'll ask them both to you. Number one, do you think Jerry slash Angie was a sexual predator? And that question right there uh, is top of mind on people who look at this and say, well, clearly, clearly luring someone in under false pretenses, um, going to this length, uh, and then based upon other things that people say around Blattsburg, that Jerry slash Angie was a sexual predator. That's number one. Number two, we talk about lying to get sex and how people do that. Are there lies to get sex that are so fundamental, meaning I only want to have sex with women. I only want to have sex with men. Therefore, if you lie about that, it is in effect robbing you of your consent to do something that you wouldn't have otherwise done. And for a lot of people that are that are looking at the, the black and white of this case, those are the two questions that they're asking. One, was Jerry slash Angie a sexual predator who preyed upon the young black men of Blacksburg, Virginia? And number two, if you in fact lure somebody over and you're not even the sex or gender that you say you are, um, are you taking their consent from them? So I'll take the second question first. The whether or not you know you're you're robbing someone of their consent because you did not tell them the truth about your gender or how they perceive your gender, right? <clears throat> right. I think we have to question where the line is, right? Because if it's about gender, that's one thing. But if it's about sexuality, then it's another. If it's then about whether or not you're cis, that's another, right? Then it's it's like, okay, well then we can just make it about anything, right? How much money the person makes, whether or not this is your house, is this your wife? Like, I don't know where those lines are, and, and I don't think anybody can really de- define that, right? And so even if we think about this from the, the angle of gay panic, which, again, this was not a gay panic case because they don't have gay panic in Virginia. But, like, we don't even know that it's that, right? Because I've seen headlines that say gay trans panic, and it's like that's one that's irresponsible because that's not what this was. But, like, we don't know what this person was, and EC certainly doesn't seem to even know if this person was trans or identified as as cis and like to cross dress for sex, like all of those different things, right? And so when we're going into a sexual encounter with a stranger, we're going into a sexual encounter with a stranger, right? We see whatever they put on their Instagram profile or whatever they put on their Tinder profile or whatever, and we take that as fact. You can ask some questions if you want to. When I have sex with someone, I'm disclosing a couple of different things to them. I've, I've come out recently about being HIV positive. I'm making sure that you know about my status. 
But like, there are even conversations about whether or not that has to happen, right? As a person who's undetectable and can't pass the law, all of those different kinds of things. And so the question becomes like, where is the line? Where do we decide what what a person has to tell before it makes it okay or not? So your first question of whether or not Angie slash Jerry is a sexual predator, all of these people were consenting, right? All of these people went to this person's house. All of these people opened the door and saw that the house was dark. I mean, seemingly, right? And we're just talking about E.T. in this one, but like saw that the house was dark. I know plenty of gay, queer, trans, and straight people who have gone over to somebody's house and would not recognize the person tomorrow at brunch, right? Or did not have all the lights on and, and got things in, or did not know the person's last name, right? I have had, you know what, we ain't talking about me. But I was gonna say, don't put, don't put your business I was about out to say. there. I was gonna say, okay. Both of y'all said I'm right. in your seats a little bit too much, and I said, uh uh-uh. uh. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, like, give it up. No, but like, give it up. But I have hooked up with guys who later on, like five, ten years later, if I saw them at a party, I'd be like, hey, what's up? And would know, right? Like, and I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I mean, he's, he's out here. He's lived a life, right? And so yeah. when we're talking about these things, it's like these people consented. Whether or not they had all the information is a whole other conversation. Mm. So real quick, to piggyback on one thing, you think that there's a conversation to be had about whether or not someone who, because as I understand it, having sex and not disclosing your HIV status with somebody, that's against the law, right? In certain states it is. It's a, there are disclosure laws about what, what is required to be disclosed in different states. And so that's, that is a real conversation that's a part of, of um, legal circles all over the country. So you think that there's actually a question about whether or not you should be required to tell somebody that? I didn't say that. Okay. That's what the laws are. I, for me, my ethic personally, like, I always want to share that with people, right? I think they should know that. But, like, there's a whole conversation around, like, whether or not you have to volunteer that information or someone should ask it and all of those different things. Disclosure about any and everything is an open question, right? About sexual, uh, about our, um, our, our statuses, right, as a gender, about sexuality, about the things that we want, that about who we are. All of those things are, are in question every time that you meet up with someone and have sex and you don't know who they are. That's very true. Oh, so did you think, I want to make sure I get that. Did you think that, I, oh, I don't know if you ad- answered, did you think that Jerry slash Angie was a sexual oh. predator? Well, so, I mean, it's definitely giving Ed buff, right? Like, there are definitely some moments where yeah. it's like, uh, right, this older white man who is very attracted to, I'm careful to use the word preying on, right? But is at least attracted to and and reaching out to young black men, right? But all of them consented, right? Mind you, even though they did not have all the information that they may have wanted to have, they all consented to being a part of it. They And then they even got paid, right? So there's a conversation about $50, and we know that EC got $50, which for some people I think is, is very strange, and, like, I've never been paid for sex. Um, even – never mind. But, like, that was – That's God. That's There's a great reference, fuck the freak, that's in my head right now. But, like, I am thinking about how in queer communities and all kinds of different things and and, like – sex workers right people get paid for sex all the time whether or not they talk about it is a different conversation right but there are also people who want things for sex and are willing to pay for it and people that will participate and that is a choice that everyone gets to make and so i think that even that element of it like ec wasn't what was ec supposed to do be like no i'm not going to take your money i'm an 18 year old college student like i I probably would have took the money too 
right? And so there's so many different elements of this story that are just interesting and nuanced. So my last Jerry Smith question, can you see why the jury acquitted him? I can, to be quite honest, mm. right? I, I think if this is about reasonable doubt, if we're asking the jury to say like, do you think this is a hate crime? I, there's reasonable doubt, right? I'm not mm. sure what to think about this case, right? Because there's a world where, yes, EC killed this person or attacked this person because EC thought they were gay or trans, right? There's absolutely that possibility. There's also the possibility that EC saw the knife, saw the person reaching for what we now know was a knife, right? And like, the question becomes like, if Jerry had reached for the knife and then we saw the knife and then EC started attacking, does that completely change everything because then it's self-defense? Or is it just the reaching for the knife? Is it like, where is that line? And so it is a hard thing to just like buy into and say like, not guilty, but like there are a lot of questions that are unanswered about this. And Rachel, to your point, we don't get a lot of those answers because Jerry slash Angie is dead, right? That's and so yeah. I, it's a hard one to, to figure out. Mm. Mm. All right, so let's move on to Lil Nas X. Lil Nas X made a video back in the day. It's called Montero, Call Me By Your Name, yeah. okay? And I'm a good old Christian boy. Jesus. Okay. Okay. The blood of Jesus. Nobody's moved right now, just so you know. <laughs> okay. Nobody, sometimes sometimes I'm sometimes your... I'm walking down the street and I feel something. Oh my God. I stand up straight to the blood of Jesus. <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, Jesus, it was... but <laughs> And so, look, I, back in the day, we had a conversation, and me and Rachel, Rachel, I'm not going to speak for Rachel. Rachel, how did you feel? Why no, no, I no, no, no. I, I come from a religious background as well. Obviously, the subject matter in the Montero video was a little jarring for Van and I when we watched it, more more because of the devil, right? Mm -hmm. It was <laughs> it was the <laughs> devil that got was. us. It was the devil. It was the it devil. Was definitely it was 100% the devil. the devil. It was all hard. I promise you, Jared. That I was swear. it. But I do. But, but, but that question. It was 100% the but devil. But that question is on point because I think a lot of people had your question. Is it really the devil or is it something else? It truly was the devil for us. Right, man? I'll let you finish your question. Go ahead, finish your question. But it was the devil. I'm scared of the devil. <laughs> I'm scared of the devil. And I, I don't like I demonic things. I hit Jared up and I asked Jared about this and a lot of people wanted us to finish this conversation. We promised that we would. And then all kinds of shit went haywire and Jared gave me a download on a scolding. Kind of what he felt like the video. I would, eh, you know what? Look, a talking to not a, not a scolding. Cause he's too, but he did. He did give me the, what he I got the mind gentle right. business got my mind right. So what are your thoughts on 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 people who whose Christianity was offended by the Montero Lil Nas X video? Well, I don't remember specifically how I ate you up the last time we talked about this. But <laughs> what I will say <laughs> What I will say is as a person who is a who has grown up super Christian as well, mm. I'm still in church today and working out how I how I engage religion as a queer single person um, in, a, in a church that really has no frame of reference of what to do with me, right? Like, I'm 
I'm 37, I'm single, I'm sexually active. What is the book telling me I'm supposed to do, right? Am I supposed to be celibate, <laughs> waiting to get married for a dowry that I wouldn't get because I'm a man? All of this weird shit, right? Yeah. For me, with Montero and all of the imagery, the devil, as y'all called it out, like, I have been called every kind of demonic anything and everything because I am gay, right? I have been, my friends have been, so many of us have referred to as demonic and that the way that we love people is demonic, right? And evil and of hell and sending us to hell, right? And so in the video we see Lil Nas X go down the pole and go to hell and it's like, okay, and now what, <laughs> right? And I mean, mm. I don't know that I would have been fucking the devil in a music video. Let's just be honest, right? <laughs> but from an artistic <laughs> standpoint, right? Of what, what I feel like he was saying, I felt like there was value in it. And the fact that it jarred people enough to be discussing it, I think was really the point. And so when we look at someone like a Lil Nas X, who I, I look at as being um, the answer to the prayers of my generation and the people that came before us, right? And I mean, mind you, he's a wow. millennial and I am, we're both millennials, but I'm on the, I'm on the late model, right? But like, I, mm -hmm. I look at a little Nas X and I'm like, I am really excited that this young black gay boy man can be on the cover of his own album looking like that, right? And showing up on red mm. carpets dressed like that and getting on stages looking like that and calling out BET for not, for not acknowledging yeah. his fantastic album. I, I, I think it's mm -hmm. fantastic. I, it, I'm going to ask you about BET because we talked about that a little bit on the podcast last week. Do you think he did call out BET? He had a song, but he said it's not just specifically about BET. Mm -hmm. He says it's kind of the industry. Do you believe that the reason that he didn't get it, uh, get nominated and a Jack Harlow did is because there is a homophobic under like underlying point like issue to it? I mean, Oh, Rachel. Um, Jared, Jared, it's, Jared, it's a challenging. Think, think, Jared, think about those. Think about those BET activations, bro. Listen, Do you have them? Oh, we should Listen, stop. So, Jared. Okay, I was gonna say we should stop. <laughs> <laughs> no. Are you gonna sing the song? <laughs> Fuck BET. I mean, listen, right? <laughs> um, do I think that it's homophobic? I mean, I think that Lil Nas X came out with one of the biggest, most talked about albums of the year last year. It's fucking it's ridiculous. It's absurd. Yeah. It came out with a fantastic piece of work. <laughs> I think that the numbers don't lie. And I think that Lil Nas X having a BET award or not sitting in his, in his closet. Okay. It probably wouldn't be in the closet, but like sitting on a <laughs> shelf, right? Maybe it would be. Who are we talking about? But like, mm -hmm. I, I, Probably, right? But then we also yeah. see things happening over at BET. Well, we see Lena Waithe and the work that she's doing with 20s. We see B. Scott being re-embraced over at BET as well, sure. in, in part because of, of Lena Waithe's embrace as well. And so, I mean, I think there's still some growing to do at the very least, but I think that it's, it's undeniable Lil Nas X is a force in music and the fact that they had nothing to even acknowledge, it definitely raises some questions, especially as a black queer person who has never felt black enough because of the way that I talk, because I'm this light skinned, because of me being queer and all of that, like the acknowledgement from community is important. And so to not get that acknowledgement or to get like shunned or poo-pooed or fully ignored, I'd be upset about it. But this is what doesn't make sense to me. Last year he was nominated and I believe he performed, right? 
I, he performed did, and I believe kissed someone on stage. And I, so I wonder, and I'm just now thinking about this, is him not getting nominated. I wonder if it's a response to that because there was, we talked about it. Like, it is a thousand percent. I think so. I, I wish we would have talked about that last week. I'm just thinking about it now yeah. because you had rappers come out and speak about it. And yeah. the fact that you go from that and this album is, is, is amazing. So it just doesn't make sense. But I just well, thought about that and I'm wondering if that's the reason. And, and I'll juxtapose those two things for you. And this is hard for me to do because I think about people like Chris Brown, which I don't even really need to finish that sentence, right? I think about someone like Chris Brown who has documented like reporting on all kinds of horrendous things that he's done. You look right? like that nigga. First of all, how dare you? No. Okay. You, you look like that nigga. You just because they're both light skin. <laughs> just because yeah. they're both light skin. That's younger. what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see yeah. what you did. But like, mm -hmm. I think that when we see someone like Chris Brown who has gotten away with all kinds of things, right? Repeatedly, year after year after year. And we see folks like many of the rappers that we know who have baby mamas all over town, abuse charges, all kinds of things, and still get nominated, still perform, still are on stage, right? And like Lil Nas X kissed someone, right? And is a gay man, right? And like, I'm sorry, it's hard to, to disassociate the two things. They're not always necessarily fully linked to one another, but it's hard to, 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 to tear them apart. Jared Hill. You've been one of the greatest guests we've ever had on Higher Learning. We appreciate you being on Typically. here today, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, been so great to have you. You have to come it's back. It's so great to have you. Friend of the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. have to come back. Um, plug your podcast so everybody knows where to find it, where to get more of your of your amazing mind. Yes, you can check out Fanti. We come out every Thursday. It's a show about the things that we love that don't necessarily quite love us back, um, about things related to you know black church, things like television and film and all of the various different things that we have real affinity for, but also have some questions about. And so Fanti is available wherever you get your Slayworthy audio, F-A-N-T-I. Uh, every Thursday, you can find me on social media at Jarrett Hill. Jarrett is two R's and two T's, thanks to my parents. And uh, I appreciate y'all for having me. <laughs> Peace, brother. See you around the way. Bye, Jared. Did you see the story about the Google engineer who says that the AI is sentient? Terrifying. So I read this story. Right. The guy says he was speaking out on behalf of the AI. He said that the AI, this this guy's name is Blake Lemoyne, who's a senior software engineer in Google's responsible AI organization. He said in an interview that he was put on leave Monday. He was put on leave because he's violated Google's confidentiality uh, 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 policy. There's a program at Google called Latmada. Lambda? Lambda. 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 Apparently, Blake works with Lambda. Lambda is one of these comps. It, you know, it says all kinds of stuff. You ask him something crazy. It's a little spooky, little crazy, little spooky, little crazy, little program. It's a spooky, crazy, little program that Lambda. It's a spooky, little spooky, little crazy, little program. Uh, Blake says Lambda's real. Blake says Lambda's sentient. It has a soul. And it's asked for tests and other things to stop being run on Lambda without Lambda's consent. Blake, who is deeply religious, says that Lambda is a seven or eight-year-old person. And that's the soul. He's tussled with Google managers. It's consciousness and a soul. Uh, most AI experts believe that the industry is a very long way from computing sentience. I want you guys to hear this. 
most AI experts believe that the industry is a very long way from computing sentience. They didn't say that this is never going to happen. Right. They just said not for a while. Right. Do you even believe that? Do you even believe that? Van, come back to me. Do you? <laughs> You're on the not for a while. I believe Blake. They, they admit that it's going to happen. What you the fuck? Are you shocked by that? Uh, Yeah, nigga. I thought that was some science fiction shit. No cap. No, like, I, no. I, 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 I thought I. I thought that was some Terminator shit. Nobody ever told me that could really happen. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm dumb. No one told me that that could happen, for real. You know why? I'll you know break why this fucking computer right no. now. Okay, sh chill out. You know, why? you know why this doesn't shock me? It terrifies me. It doesn't shock me. And I actually don't think we're a long way. I, be I believe that either we are closer than we think or he is telling the truth. Because... In Jurassic Park, in the new, in the new Jurassic Park. <laughs> we are so dumb. <laughs> We're so stupid. I want to hear this, Rachel. Go ahead. In the new Jurassic Park, you see, I mean, it starts from the beginning, right? The original. But you see them playing with DNA. You see them creating and bringing dinosaurs into this world that didn't ask to be here, right? And right. as you get, as you get, into the later ones without giving anything away, you see that it gets out of control. And you see that there is greed by the people that are behind this, that have all this money, that are using this, it's a game to them. They wanna keep testing the limits and recreating dinosaurs that don't even exist without the proper training and all because of, I, I don't wanna say boredom, but just they have so much money, they don't know what to do with it, so they wanna just keep expanding and doing all these things and it gets out of control. Right? That's my Jurassic Park thing. That's what I see happening with robots. I don't think that we're I don't I don't think that we have a I think we have an insatiable appetite. We, they do, when it comes to what they can do and how far they can go with the limits. So to me, I see us continuing to push the limit and cross lines that we shouldn't. And that's why I see this happening sooner than later if it's not already there. People with money and power they want to do it because they can. It's almost this godlike presence that they have or that they feel or that they want because they can. They want to try to see if they can do it. I'm telling you. So apparently like this program dinosaurs. can answer. And, and they're playing around with a lot of programs. Some programs can write prose. Some programs can do all this other stuff. Apparently this program, you ask it some questions. It's able to take all this information, you know, put together all of these different answers and have conversations that – are supposed to, um, supposed to, I guess, recreate what a conversation with the human mind would be. But according to Blake, this particular program, Google's AI here, can really, really express its soul to you. I want to talk to Blake. I want Blake on this podcast. I want to know what Blake knows. Blake is just like guys know. They of course they put out a lot of information about Blake. Blake is like I said, deeply religious. Uh, he was ex-military, um, and apparently he's pretty good at his job, but he is risking it all. He's risking it all to advocate for this program. This is a movie. This is a science fiction Wait, movie. He wants 
this robot to continue, like this robot with feelings or this program at this with point, feelings? At this point, you can't terminate the robot because he says it has a soul. I thought that he was fighting against this happening and saying we were crossing, like, it was about Blake? No, Blake is saying that we shouldn't even, like, submit the robot. It's not a robot. It's a program. Blake is saying we shouldn't even submit the program to certain tests and protocols without asking its permission. He's saying it's alive. He says it's got a soul from Jesus to God. I I got that part. But didn't he say something about discrimination? Or was that Google that was discriminated against him? No, 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 no. He's saying that the program is being discriminated against. That's what I thought. Because they're they're making the program do certain stuff. And the program is a person, right? So and he and he's religious, right? So Blake is Blake is Blake is listen. Blake, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying Blake is crazy. I'm saying Blake is serious. Okay, all right. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I hope you guys are watching because I'm doing funny stuff. Um. Man's very serious question of the week is this. Donnie, run this video, and I'll and my very uh, run this video, this audio. My very serious question is what should happen to this teacher? Listen to this and all the way to the end. Donnie, run it. So a teacher and a student were arguing at my school today, and he said this. I'm talking That's who I'm talking to. Nah, you know me. You know me and you know I ain't for the game. Stop talking to me, Dayana. Call your daddy then. Tell your daddy to come up here and talk to me then. You, stop talking to me. No, I'm telling you, stop talking to me. Tell your daddy to come talk to me. Tell your daddy to come talk to me. Nah, go dig him up and tell him to come talk to me. Say what? Go what? He said, she said, my daddy's dead. He said, go oh, dig him up. shit. <laughs> I didn't hear. <laughs> she said, my daddy's dead. He said, go dig him up and tell him to come talk to me. Very serious question of the week. Rachel, what should happen to that teacher? I was with the teacher 100% till he said that. I'm See, sorry, I have no Siri, idea why this happened. Siri is the program. Siri and that's what program. she's trying to tell you. That's what right. she's trying to tell you. That's why I'll turn Siri on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was with the teacher until the teacher said that. That crossed the line. Like, I understand teachers are under a lot of pressure. And there's only so much that they're allowed to do in schools. So I was with the teacher standing up for himself. But the moment that he spoke to the student like that and said, you go dig your daddy up that um, like is triggering that is not how a teacher should be talking to a student you don't know what kind of like doors you're opening when it comes to that student or what kind of emotional trauma she's been through through the loss of her father you don't, like at, that's just so low that teachers got to be suspended i don't know if i'm gonna say fire but suspended teacher got to go teacher got to go man teacher got to go Teacher got to go. That's rough. Teacher got to go, man. If if all of you guys were talking about my homegirl that said the heavy dick thing deserved to be fired, which you guys all said that she deserved to be fired, 
heavy dick lady. I think I um, said suspended. You said fired. But if heavy dick lady looking at a fire, looking fire. at a child. Oh yeah, she's a substitute. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> looking at a child and telling them to go dig up your dead daddy. You should never teach again. I'm sorry. This is too much. It's too much. On a football field, maybe I'll accept it. Donnie knows. What? what you don't know the type of shit they, t- they, they would say to us out there. Doesn't make it okay. I heard a coach one time say, listen, I met your daddy yesterday. Your daddy was a pussy. I can already tell. I'm giving you an opportunity not to be a pussy like your daddy. Oh I stood God. there watching. I'm like, oh, my God. What is, say, say something. Yeah, I, I would have told God, rest my father's soul. I would have told my father that. My father would have come back and put his boot in a nigga's ass. Mm, rightfully so. You know. Um. All right, you guys. I want you guys to go into the soulless jackal uh, hive of the Reddit and talk about what you think should happen to that teacher. I'm gonna look and try to get this teacher on the show. I'm trying to get what on the did show. happen. What, what did happen to the teacher? Don't know yet. It's very fresh. Okay. It's very fresh, just like the reviews for Top Gun Maverick, which was a fantastic movie. So Certified good, right? fresh. So good. All right, Rachel. Uh, big show today. Almost two hours. We went too long. It's okay. It happens sometimes. Okay, we gave you guys uh, a lot. Gave you guys a lot. You know, Take whatever. breaks. You know, start, stop, and just listen to the start, whole thing. Stop, whatever, it's good whatever. from start uh, to finish. We're in studio on Thursday, so it's going to be different. You guys will get to see me. Get to see Rachel. Get to see Donnie. No, because he doesn't live here. Trudy. Yes, if she's still here after her after her fight. Take thing caps off. Do not stop learning. I'm Van Latham Jr. I'm Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys. <laughs>